0: All right, it is good to have everyone here and uh, I see that we have some school kids here and they have survived the first week and teachers, so uh, that's, uh, that's quite an accomplishment. We're, uh, we're glad to have you you all here and I know people have been praying for our students and, uh, and teachers and staff this week. appreciate uh, Ron filling in for me uh, last week. Uh, I think I sent him the text message about 8 o'clock on Sunday morning and said I'm not going to be there. Uh, so Julie uh, was uh, having considerable back pain and uh, still isn't really where she wants to be, so uh, that was uh, very short notice. So we're going to, oh you got, we got a coin? Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. That's alright, it'll still be there afterwards. <laughs> now they're coming. Alright, here we go, put it in here. Yeah, that's it. Just stick it in there. Here, yeah, I've got some coins. Oh, you got coins? You want some more coins? Put those in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to your seats. Good job, girls. Yeah. Well done. All right. All right. Yeah. All right now we got it. <laughs> so... We have finally reached the last uh, sermon in the series that I've been doing on faith. It was a summer series, so I guess it's kind of appropriate that we finish it as summer ends and school begins. Um, and next week, just in case you're wondering, we'll uh, begin uh, what will take us through, I think, to about Thanksgiving, um, looking at the books of First and Second Timothy. Uh, just uh, taking some time there. So we've been talking about faith. Uh, we've looked at faith through the lens of the Apostle Peter walking on water, and then through the lives of Joseph and Moses. And so as we, we close the series today, I'm leaning on this uh, little book. It's by um, Leroy Wilson, Eric Leroy Wilson, uh, who is a, um, the minister at the university church that meets on the campus of Pepperdine. Um, I think I've got a picture. If you can just go to the next slide back there, thanks. Um, and he's written a book that is called Faith, the First Seven Lessons. Uh, and so I'm uh, we're going to... Uh, spent today. If any, this is from our little library out there. So, if anybody wants it, you can see me afterwards, or uh, it'll be available there um, in future weeks if you want to have a look at it. Um, I, and I do think you'll you'll benefit from giving it a, a read. But I want to look today at the second of his seven lessons, okay? uh, just to to give you an idea, and. Is about intentionality, intentionality as a lesson of faith. I want to look at this quote as we get started today, because I think there's a risk that when we talk about faith and intentionality, that we think it's about my efforts, okay, what I can do to have faith. But, so it must be reiterated over and over again that God is the source of our growth in faith and spiritual development. Our role is to place ourselves consistently in the proper trajectory or proper place for God to do what He ultimately intends to do with us all. Growth in faith and spiritual development will not happen, will not occur by happenstance or coincidence, nor will it happen by luck or fluke. So, here I I think is, is what brings us to this topic is that we can say to ourselves, Well, I have. Faith, right? I was baptized. I believe God exists. I have faith, and if I just have faith long enough, then I'm going to get more faith, right? As though faith is a tree, right? Well, we talked uh, we've talked about mustard seeds over our summer series with uh, um, in the parables on Wednesday night, right? That, that if faith will just automatically just grow all by itself. Because I started out with faith and I haven't given it up, so that's what it does. But faith doesn't grow by itself. Faith, we may say, I still have it, I still believe there's a God. But it doesn't mean that our faith is any stronger any, as we go along. And, and yet it's not up to us to say, yeah, I'm going to, to you know, climb mountains and sit on top of them and think good thoughts. And and because of all this work that I'm doing, I'm going to have more faith. Rather, faith is something that grows in us as we put ourselves in a position for God to work in our life. Okay, so even as we talk about intentionality and being intentional, we're not talking about intentional, my efforts making me better. We're saying I'm intentionally putting myself in a place where God can work in me, where the Holy Spirit can have more and more influence upon my life. That's what we're intentional about. So when we look at the life of Moses, we see that his faith grew over time. We talked a couple of weeks ago, if you can remember that far back, about the importance of faithful endurance faithful endurance. Um, How Moses faithfully led God's people for 40 years as they, uh, through all sorts of difficulties. It wasn't just 40 years in the wilderness. It's 40 years with grumbling, moaning people. It's 40 years with enemy armies attacking you. It's 40 years without food and water that you have to find on a regular basis. It's 40 years of all sorts of different problems. But I want to suggest to you today that Moses wasn't just hanging on, waiting for retirement for those 40 years. right? He's like, if I can just stick it out. Have you ever been like that in a job? If I can just stick it out until some benefit kicks in. If I can just stick it out and, and survive until I get through this, things will be... If I can just get to the other side of something... Right? I don't have to grow. I don't have to be a better person. I don't have to like it. I don't have to learn anything in the process. I just have to survive. Right? And, and it'd be easy to look at Moses and he says, Moses knew up front that he had 40 years in the wilderness. He's like, I just have to survive the 40 years. Right? And then I can get to the promised land. But I want to, I want to suggest that this wasn't Moses' attitude. Right? That Moses wasn't just hanging on over this this time frame during this forty years. He used this forty years of being in the wilderness, away from civilization, right, with a whole bunch of people being attacked. Like everything that he was going through, as an opportunity for growth. That he grew in his relationship with God, and so endurance. When we talk about Faithful endurance, it doesn't just have to be one-dimensional of saying, oh, that just means I'm going to survive. Rather, faithful endurance can be something that I'm going to stick at it and come out of it a better person, come out of it someone who loves God more, who knows God better, who is closer to God on the other end. And so today I want to look at three ways we can make our walk of faith intentional. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, we're not going to read it, but verses 48 through 52, it tells about Moses' death. Moses uh, is not allowed to go into the promised land. He he climbs a mountain, Mount Nebo, and looks out over the land and sees it. And, and he sees the you know the, the green. <laughs> he sees the the cities in the distance. He he sees the river or a stream, and he looks across. But God says, you're not allowed to go in, Moses. And so Moses died. But Moses wasn't just hanging on for those 40 years. He was building, he was growing, and he left a legacy. Moses was intentional about passing on his faith and bringing along leaders with him. And and this is something that he he certainly needed to learn. Because like many of us, he operated at first under the motto, if you want something done right, you do it yourself, right? Uh, I think we all know that. If you want something done right, you do it yourself. And this was how Moses was working. In Exodus chapter 18, Moses' father-in-law came to visit and uh, he observed Moses judging the people and he had this question for Moses. He said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as a judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses said to him, because if you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. And by golly, that's what I'm doing. Well, actually, that's a paraphrase. He said, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Okay? So Moses clearly believed he was doing the right thing. And, and, and I think this is something that as Christians, we are a trap we could fall into, where we do something that's unhealthy, but we baptize it. And and, and we make it sound as though it's what God wants us to be doing. We find a verse that says, Oh, yeah, look, whatever it is that you find to do, do it with all your might. Right? So I'm going to do it with all my might. I'm here from sun up to sundown. I'm judging all the people. I'm doing it. This is God's given me this gift. I've got to use my gift. This is right. And his father in law says, You're nuts. Right? What? You are doing, this is his reply from the Bible. Uh, what you are doing is not good. I'm sorry, Jethro, what did you just say? You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. But it's good. It's, it's God wants me to do this. The work is too heavy for you, you cannot handle it alone. And so Moses told his father in law it's time for him to go home. No, Moses listened to him. Moses accepted the advice. He appointed other leaders. Now, I want you to think about this. Moses has been doing this on his own. So now he's going to appoint some other leaders to take on this responsibility. How many leaders do you think he'd appoint? Right? Those who were closest to him, right? Those who he knew really well, those that he could trust. That so that's what, like three or four? Other leaders? Let me tell you what happens. Moses appointed officials over thousands, over hundreds, fifties, and tens. Right? That's a lot of leaders. You want to talk about letting go of the steering wheel? Moses said, okay, I can't do this. It's more than I can handle. It's more than one man can handle. And I don't know, it sounds as though there's hundreds of people now that he's given this responsibility. I think probably he said, look, if you're a, you know, a grandparent, then your responsibility over your family and grandchildren. You know, he probably broke it up in, in family units, I'm kind of guessing. But he trusted that there were other people in the camp that knew God, that could make decisions, that could make wise decisions, and that he wasn't the only person with wisdom. Moses had to expand his concept of faith to include the idea that God could work through people other than himself. Now let me ask you, do you think all of those people did it perfectly? (laughs) Do you think they all did it as well as Moses could do it? Maybe not. But on the other hand, if Moses was the only one doing it for an extended period of time, Maybe he starts out doing it really well, but then how well is he going to be doing six months down the track? He's not able to see all the people. And so that's not doing it well. As we keep reading through the first few books of the Bible, we see how Moses mentored the young man Joshua. And Joshua started out just as Moses' assistant. And over time, Moses gave him more and more responsibility. Sometimes Joshua would lead um, soldiers into battle. Sometimes Joshua was up on the mountain with him, holding up Moses' hands so that the Israelites could win. Uh, ultimately, Moses sends Joshua in as one of the spies to go into the land. He gives him increasing degrees of responsibility. He took Uh, Joshua up Mount Sinai with him when he received the Ten Commandments. We're told that in Exodus 33, Moses had a small tent outside of the camp where he would go and he would talk with God about what was going on. And uh, Joshua would attend those meetings in the small tent outside of camp. In fact, Joshua was so devoted to God that when Moses left the tent to come back in and tell the people what God wanted from them, that Joshua would stay in the tent uh, while that was going on, to spend more time with God. Moses gave Joshua increasing responsibilities in response to his uh, commitment and dedication. He coached him, not only in how to wage war or how to spy a land, but more importantly he coached him in listening to god and and so part of our faith intentional faith is passing it on is leaving a legacy and i love that last line coaching others in listening to god i think that's an important um, task so number two of what an intentional faith Look like? Where do we look? I want to suggest that faith doesn't focus upon our failures. In Numbers chapter 20, Moses failed. This is the account, if you're wondering why Moses didn't get to go into the promised land, Numbers chapter 20 is the answer. Because God had said to Moses, he said, I I want you to talk to a rock and command water to come out of it. Well, Moses was a bit of a showman. He was frustrated by what was going on. He wanted something dramatic. He had his big stick in his hand and he was upset with the people of Israel. And so when he got up there and said, God's going to provide you water, he just whacked that rock. But God didn't see it just as, oh, that's showmanship. God saw it as a a lack of faith, as disobedience. And so the consequence of that was that uh, in verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, You will not bring this community into the land I give them. And so Moses took them to the border of the land, but not into it. Now, how might you feel if your calling in life is to take this nation into the promised land, out of slavery, into the promised land? That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's your mission. And then you get told, Nope, you're not going in there. You see, what's your, what's your attitude? Do you become bitter that, well, if I'm not going in there, why should anyone go in there, right? Do, do you start working? Like, well, I'm not going to finish this project. Uh, not, not start working, start slacking off. I'm not going to finish this project. Like, that's up to them. I'll go with them. I'll go along with the flow. You know, I'll be there. But, you know, they're going to have to take charge of this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out. I'm just here for the ride right? Because he's not going to experience the benefits. He's going to spend 40 years in the wilderness for what? To not get to the promised land? And so, it would be very easy for Moses to spend however many years are still to come looking back and cursing that darn rock, right? And and being upset with the people that infuriated him so much that he hit the rock. Like he could have blamed them for it. He, he could have blamed Aaron because Aaron was there with him and Aaron didn't stop me. You know, like, I mean, there, were, there was so much that I'm doing all this, all these years trudging through the wilderness. And because of that, I'm going to miss out. And so Moses could have obsessed. It would have been very easy for him to obsess about his failures, about what he'd done wrong. And, and I love this about our relationship with God, right? Because how often do we focus on the things we've done wrong and God's like, I don't even remember that. <laughs> right? But, and, and so it's hard for our faith to say, oh yeah, God's forgotten that. I need to forget it too. Right? And, and so where do we look? Where does faith help us to look? Faith helps us to look at God. Faith helps us to look at at Jesus, not at our failure. At the end of the book of Joshua, we we see how he uh, caught this lesson, if you will, uh, from uh, from Moses. Um, When we think of Israel's 40 years in the wilderness, and, and I've been sort of describing this, We very often think of their grumbling, their complaining, their lack of faith, their idolatry, the many ways they lived up to God's, uh, failed to live up to God's expectations. But when Joshua comes to the end of his life, and he wants to pass on his legacy of faith to the tribal leaders uh, who have taken the land, captured the land, and are seeking to build it and establish it. He Uh, doesn't list their shortcomings. He doesn't look back on that wilderness time and say how bad they were. Rather, he points to all that God accomplished during that time in the wilderness. Sure, he mentions that the people spent a long time there, but he doesn't expand upon that reason. He doesn't blame anyone for that. And this is in Joshua chapter 24. And then we come to perhaps the most famous words of Joshua in verse uh, 24, verse 14. He says, now having recited, having gone down and listed all the things that God did for them in the wilderness, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped before the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so I think we, as people of faith who are walking by faith, who are being intentional about our faith, I want to challenge us to think about where we're looking we can intentionally spend our days tuned into fox or cnn and we can lament about how bad our country and the world has become or we can find ways to remind ourselves of all that god has done in our community and what he's continuing to do in people's lives today. Because do we believe that for all that's going, all the struggles and difficulties and conflicts and hurt that we have in our city, do we believe that God has left the city? Just because we're walking through a wilderness, because we're walking through a dark place, does it mean that God isn't there, that God isn't working? That, That God isn't maybe working through us where we are, that God can't accomplish something anymore, that we're just hanging on? It's where are we looking and what do we see? And I think sometimes that God's people can fall into the same point of view of everybody else who lives without hope, that we can say the city is given up to darkness. The community is in all sorts of trouble. I don't know what the solution is. We know what the solution is. And just because we're in the wilderness, just because we're going through hardship, doesn't mean that God isn't at work doing something. Doesn't mean that God can't make a difference. And it's our responsibility, it's our task to be the people that point others to what God is doing. That, that we can see where there are triumphs, so and that we emphasize those rather than the failures. And those who are hurting are still hurting, we don't tell them to suck it up and get over it, to, to move on, to, to the that you know they just need to focus on the positive. You know, I mean, well that's not the point. We we sit with those who are hurting. We acknowledge their hurt and their grief. We acknowledge what's going wrong, but we point people to what's going right. Because that's what faith does. Faith says God is accomplishing something. Even when I can't see the end. We move forward with faith, rather than despair. Where are we looking? And then, I've already quoted that one. Our third act of intentional faith is where we started this whole series. Stepping out of the boat. As we close today, we're back where we started in, in June. I think it was May. Intentional faith helps us navigate the unknown. The word faith implies a lack of certainty. Right? If we've got evidence, if we've got proof, we don't need faith. Right? And, and so faith implies this lack of certainty. It's evidence of things not seen. Confidence in the words of God that haven't yet come to fulfillment. Intentional faith understands this relationship with the unknown and moves towards it anyway. it, It sounds easy when you say it, right? Intentional faith understands the relationship with the unknown and moves towards it anyway. I think we all like to know where we're going. There was an airline, I don't know if they did it here in the States, there was an airline in Australia and uh, for a while they were uh, selling mystery tickets. Okay, it'd be like you'd pay pay $500 and uh, you'd go to the plane and they would take you somewhere. And and they didn't just drop you at the airport, there'd be a coach, you'd go to like a winery or something, you know, you'd go somewhere and do something but you didn't know what it was going to be. Anybody signing up for that? <laughs> now, people did. There are some people, we've talked about this, that are oriented to taking risks. And, and they love that idea. Right? Yeah, it's fantastic. I just go, I pay, I don't know where I'm going. I don't have to take any responsibility for anything. It's going to be something good and probably something I wouldn't have thought of by myself. It's amazing. Right? And so they jump at that opportunity. But there's others of us are going, I work hard for that $500. There is no way I'm paying that amount of money not knowing where I'm going. What if I don't like it? What if it's bungee jumping and I'm scared of heights? You yeah, know, like, I'm not taking that risk. There are others during COVID. Oh, well, we won't get into that. All right, so this is, this is um, just this attitude that, that we have to step out of the boat. We don't like the unknown, but faith functions in the unknown. And, and so, as individuals, as people serving God, as, as a church, we have to move into places where we don't have all the answers. But we believe that it's where God is calling us. Intentional faith understands the relationship between faith and the unknown and moves toward it anyway. Um, Eric Wilson, in his book provides three principles that encourage us to walk by faith into the unknown. The first is that where I place my intention is where I place my attention. okay? So if you want to watch football this afternoon? you'll make plans for it, right? If you stay here at church all day and you, you know, eat leftover ice cream and you just chat, you're going to miss out on football. And some of you are okay with that. But if you want intention, if your intention is to watch football today, you're going to find a way to do it. Your TV's broken, you're going to call a friend. You're going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. You're going Where you place your intention is where we place So let me ask about faith and your relationship with God. What's your intention with that? Intentionality expands capacity. All right, let me give a little example of this. I've mentioned several people that have started reading some fiction lately. I used to read it all the time as a kid and I gave up. And um, I've sort of got back into it lately. And you know what I found? I have a lot more time for reading than I ever thought I did. Right? Because intentionality expands capacity. If I want to learn a new skill, I'll find ways of making it happen. I'll be intentional about it. I'll find somebody to teach me. If I want to understand something about the Bible, I'll go out and find those books about it. I'll talk with people about it. If I... You get the idea. Things that were going... Before we would say, I don't have time for that. All of a sudden, because we've made it a priority, because we're intentional about it, we're going, Wow! Look at how much time I've got for this intentionality expands our capacity but it's not only in time intentionality pushes the boundaries of comfort and contentment think of peter in the boat moses minding the sheep their faith in god resulted in them stepping into something they'd never dreamed of before they never dreamed they had the capacity to walk on water. Moses never dreamed that he had the capacity to lead Israel out of Egyptian slavery. He had killed one person and was running for his life, right? And God says, I want you to bring the whole nation out. Moses says, I can't do that. God says, yes, actually, yes, you can. Their intentional decision to trust God rather than trusting the context of their comfort zone led them to doing something amazing. Peter stopped trusting the boat, trusted Jesus. Moses stopped trusting the comfort of looking after the sheep, and instead went into Pharaoh. Intentionality, faithful intentionality, expands our capacity. And the the third one, last one here, is where you place your attention impacts your condition. All right? So, Peter demonstrates this principle in the way he could walk on water when he focused on Jesus. And yet he started to sink when he focused on the wind. And so, the more we focus on God, the more our faith will grow. And it will grow quite naturally, not because we're like pumping iron going, oh, I've got to grow my faith, I've got to grow my faith, right? I've got, I've got this heavy Bibles that I'm lifting here, Right? and and I'm I'm reading the old King James and the message at the same time, right? And this is going to increase my faith. No, it's, it's not like that. It's where we put our attention. It's that our time, our energy, the things that we're doing, the things that we value, are focused on God and growing faith. And it happens just by itself. We spend time with people we love, We love them more. Not because we've been working at loving them necessarily, but because we get to know them better. And the more, as as our faith grows, the more we will see positive opportunities rather than insurmountable problems. Think about that. The more our faith grows, the more we can see challenges as opportunities for God to work rather than as problems that we can't solve. So intentional faith prompts us to look for ways to meet new people, to do new things, to learn new things. Perhaps in the language of the sermon, it prompts us to meet unknown people, right? Faith and the unknown, to, to do unknown, currently unknown things, To learn currently unknown, uh, to do unknown things, to learn unknown things. Faith isn't something that happens by luck or by fluke or by sitting in a worship service each Sunday. That can be part of it. That's part of our intentionality. But faith is something that we intentionally nurture as we make ourselves available for God him to use us in his service as we spend time with him, as we talk about him and listen to others talk about him. How are you growing your faith? You're waiting for it to grow itself. Is there something you can do to be intentional about it?